Coming up on today's BMW Motorrad Ride and Talk podcast, customizing our motorcycles using both time-honored techniques and cutting-edge technologies. Take a listen. Over the years, I've had the privilege of riding BMW motorcycles all over the world. And the one thing I've come away with is that the only thing more extraordinary than the ride are the people you meet along the way. These are their stories. My name is Sean Thomas, and this is BMW Motorrad's Ride and Talk. That's, that's what we want to empower, right? To amplify or to um, empower this whole mm. custom industry, you know, to... And there's, of course, customizers that say, ah, you're selling parts to people, you're making a, a public thing. And they say, yes, we make yeah. it a public thing because everybody should do it. And then if yeah. you want to do a crazy 200-hour build, do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. good for you. Yeah, sure. Recently, during a trip to Munich, we sat down with Ben Ott at Motoism, a company that specializes in custom motorcycle parts design and manufacturing. My producer, Louise Powers, and I were given a tour of their facility and talked with Ben about how Motoism came to be and what they offer. During this interview, Ben helps us understand how the process of designing and building custom motorcycle parts has evolved to utilize the latest materials and cutting-edge technology, and what this may mean for the future of customizing motorcycles. Okay, so what you have here today is quite a bit different than what you and your brother started out to do. Can you tell us what you intended to do to, in the first place? Yeah, basically in the first place, we're like having this kind of illusion that um, it's like possible or it's like a good idea to start off with them um, building limited series bikes from mm. the scratch. Yeah. And I see Not, like here, yeah. you've got quite a few bikes that are sort of, I, I don't know if you could call it them vintage. Yeah. Maybe. But, but bikes that are certainly not, you know, current models that you picked yeah. up and started customizing. True. I think that's the base where you always start off, like vintage bikes, mm -hmm. which give you um, more opportunity, more freedom to, to build what you have in mind. Yeah. And then um, at some point, also speaking all of my customizer friends, you're super annoyed about working on vintage bikes because uh. they give a, a lot of headache with everything. Uh. <laughs> so because yeah, at some point, um, I think everyone is going to come to the point that um, you're spending a lot of time and energy in restoration. Hmm. If you do a, a 40 Ferrari, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's the point of sure. the whole game. Um, but if you do custom then you want to have something customized, right? You yeah. want to start off with something that is kind of a good base. Yeah. And with vintage, you always go into the restoration first and then the custom is alongside this. Yeah, because it's more than just looking at the bike and coming up with ways to make it look yeah. a different kind of cool. Yeah. You still have the mechanics to deal with. The mechanics, every annoying old rusty screw. Yeah. yeah. Knuckled out, whatever you find on the bike. Sure. That all gives you all the headache and then shortage of spare parts. Yeah. I mean, you probably knew this going in, but was it a bigger deal once you really started yeah. digging into bikes? Of course, you know it because we were like, we didn't start like with our first custom bike, working the first time on motorcycles in general. Yeah. We did restoration and everything like sure. with vintage stuff before. Yeah. So we, we're actually coming from the vintage restoration. So yeah. this is our very roots when we started with 14 years, something like this. Sure. But um, you know it, but uh, you don't expect that you're wearing out of energy doing this. Yeah. At, in our point, right? Mm -hmm. We want to do, we want to be creative, do parts, do 
sure. great builds. Yeah. And then at some point you, th you, you figure out, okay, that's, that's not really what I want to do. Now, when you started out with this, it was just you and your brother. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you guys had day jobs. You were doing this, but had other. Yeah. Careers. First time we were like, uh, we were like, yeah, we were like doing um, bottom down five days a week or um, modoism, let's call it at the back that the day's shop started, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then we were like working as bartenders in the, our bar. Yeah. Bartenders yeah. on cool. the weekend. So we <laughs> wow. Like, Six to seven working days a week. Yeah. And you described your first workshop. I mean, we're in your workshop now, which is really nice. But yeah. Your first one, you said it was like the floors yeah. weren't even level. And you were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty uh, underdog place. Yeah. Right. And it was also like a big contrast. You know, yeah. you make the big, nice, shiny bikes. And then the other <laughs> thing is, like, okay, wow, what's yeah. this? <laughs> it was funny. You, you know, you have this bar set up um, where you serve coffee and whatnot. It's yeah. really nice. And I remember yeah. when we first got here, I pointed out, that's a really nice bar. And you said, yeah, we got that bar before we had a place to put it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was actually, was the, we, we're like, you know, collecting this stuff. Yeah. But you were we bartender, so that was important to you. You got to have a good bar. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good to accommodate people, right? To yeah. have like friends hanging out and everything. Yeah. The, it's one of the things that struck me about this building right away is that it has a lot of soul. Yeah. You know, there's people in the back working on things. You can hear them as we're doing this mm -hmm. interview. And, and, you know, you're in this space that it just screams unique custom building location. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really special in its way. Yeah. Yeah. True. So you're customizing your first bikes and, and you're making your name as a customizer as best you can. But then you came up with this headlight assembly somewhere along the way. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that assembly. Uh, yeah. Basically, it all started when we, we were like building our first bikes and we figured out that it's super hard to do something individual from, from the scratch, from spare parts. Mm. Um, we, we had the opportunity or the possibilities to, to build our own, right? Mm. So we were like able to individualize our own bikes by, by building it our own with a lot of time and effort and money, yeah. of course. Sure. And then we, th we, out of this lack, what we saw, we said, okay, maybe that, that's our path, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we, we can do what nobody else is doing or... There is people, of course, that yeah. they are good, doing good stuff. Sure, sure. But there's still there's still room. There's still mm. stuff. I'm I want to see tomorrow, which is not here today. Yeah. Right. And this is a the parallel between being a customizer and yeah. also having a business path that you're yeah. customizing as you go. Yeah. Is very interesting. To <laughs> yeah. Me. True. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got this headlight assembly. You came up with a design. Yeah. You built this thing, and it, it's it's not a simple headlight. Yeah. The um, the first um, headlight we do is the it's called the CP1 mm -hmm. Control Pit One. We yeah. call it. It's like uh, the combination of a headlight fairing. Yeah. And uh, all your control units, including mm -hmm. speedometer and everything. Wow. Okay. So uh, it's pretty hands-on. So you, yeah. you you mount one thing, you got everything solved. Yeah, I see. And let's forget all the wiring. <laughs> <laughs> so you had this this headlight assembly that that served as multiple pieces in one, and the installation process was complicated. Yeah, it was very complicated. At the beginning, we started, the learning curve was pretty steep compared yeah. to our today models, what we are, you know, offering. Sure. 
everything gets better with time, right? Sure. So uh, the first um, highlight was like a headache to mount in the shop, a headache to mount for the client. And then we were like all re-engineering re all the all the headlights mm. and everything yeah. with this experience from, you know, working on it yourself, yeah. right? Only if you do it yourself, you see, ah, that's difficult. Sure. You need to improve. And you were saying like earlier that the headlight assemblies is a lot of parts and yeah. just sourcing mm -hmm. each of those individual parts yeah. is a very difficult prospect, certainly mm -hmm. in a way that's affordable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, like in terms of minimum quantity orders, yeah. you need to have a stock of 100 to sell one to earn money. Yeah, and that's interesting because now you find yourself in a position where you have to outsource all of those components. Yeah. All of those components are only inexpensive if you buy them in the hundreds. Yeah. And, and realistically, you're asking yourself, like, can we afford? Yeah. To, to have hundreds of that. Are we going to sell hundreds? Yeah, are we going to sell? Or is it just money lying around in the... Uh, or, yeah, goods. Yeah, of course, is, we need to be... Sure. I, I think that this is probably one of the places where um, somebody like you and your brother would stop. Because you go, I, this is a huge investment now. Mm, and, yeah. you know, from a marketing perspective, are you really going to sell all of these? Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a, yeah. It's always like a thing. It's, it's a, a thing about um, gaslighting in a way. You need yeah. to check out whether something works or not. Yeah. And that's the whole game. If you know that it works, then it's sure. You, you got good cards, then you go all in, right? Sure. But, but if you don't know about the cards, then you better don't go all in. <laughs> I bet bartending was looking pretty good at that point. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So somewhere along the lines, you guys shifted gears. And I think you mentioned it had something to do with COVID. Uh, yeah. Basically, um, we went into this shop, right? We started renovating the, the, whole, the whole location. Mm -hmm. And we had our idea in mind how to you know, to make our money and mm -hmm. everything. And then, and then COVID, of course, struck. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we had to, you know, reassemble, rethink the yeah. whole process. And then yeah. at, at, for us, COVID was also an a opportunity to, to speed up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, you had a, your, your work that was paying the bills yeah. as a bartender. I mean, that's, yeah. that's got to be drying up. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when it's 2020 and people can't go and have a drink. Yeah. 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 yeah? True. And so somewhere you have to be asking yourself, like, do we go and find a completely different career or yeah. do we knuckle down and make yeah. this customization thing work? Yeah. Yeah. Basically at the point where, where COVID um, happened and uh, at this time we weren't working as bartenders anymore, but more in the engineering area. Yeah. But doesn't matter, the freelancer goes first, right? Yeah, so, sure. And for us was really the point where we said, okay, let's think now, what can we do, you know, yeah. to, to save our shop, to pay the bills. Sure. And then, and this, I think, yeah, also this need was also speeding up yeah. everything for us. It's interesting because, you know, you refer to your, yourselves as engineers and, and freelancers. I, I'm yeah, thinking... Yeah, designers. Designers, yeah. Engineers, yeah. I'm thinking artists. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and w because what I see around me, you know, you're yeah. creating some pretty amazing things and you're just conjuring up in your heads. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And saying, we can probably make this a reality. Yeah. So... COVID hits and you buckle down and start really making this business go. Yeah. And you come up with a way to start making parts without having to outsource everything. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that transition. Uh, yeah. Basically, 
with COVID, everything changed in sort of yeah. in terms of production locations, way mm. or yeah, way way you producing your things overseas is not working anymore. Right? Yeah. So you you were like preferring to have like short production lines, mm. um, best within your reach of you know mm-hmm. 200, 300 kilometers. Mm. Yeah. And uh, of course we were like working on our production models before, mm-hmm. but um, this was also this was also a chance for us to speed up in terms of production because. All the businesses we were working with, they were like really grateful for jobs, right? Right. So yeah. when we said, hey guys, can we do a hundred metal sheet, blah, 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 yeah. parts for in the, within the next two weeks, they would say, yeah, okay, sure. Sure. So you've come up with this line of parts now, and we've seen a few of them. Yeah. And I'm going to take, for example, the you showed me the turn indicators that, that yeah. go on the BMW R18. I think yeah. you make a version for the R9T as well. Yeah. And, and this is a complicated endeavor, I think, because the electronics on those bikes is not simple. Yeah, true. But you want a product that's very simple. Yeah. So how were you able to develop this and marry it to the bikes in a way that's easy? Yeah. Basically, you're always about it's like you have some part and you replace it. Mm-hmm. You have like intelligent system on the bike, right? Yeah. That knows yeah. what's happening. Sure. So I'm basically, you have like a resistor that's imitating together with the LED uh, indicator what should be the output for the intelligence system on your now, bike? Because the bike also knows when it's not right. Yeah, yeah? And if that's you put true. on an yeah. indicator that's yeah. not right, it's going to say, uh-uh. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> need to have a compassionate indicator. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll bet you went through a lot of swear words in German when you figured it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need to figure that out, right? And yeah. it's different on each bike. Yeah. Also here, right, we tried it all ourselves. Yeah. And then, then we, we, we figured out, okay, that's a hard thing. Yeah. We put an aftermarket headlight on an R90, right? Yeah. So the control unit says, no, guys, that's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> so, so what you have to do is you have to flash the, the control unit, and uh, nobody wants to do this you know, yeah. because it's a headache and it costs money and it's like... Yeah. Yeah, it needs to have some like hacker skills. <laughs> it's, it's interesting for for us. That w- it's very common for us to to get to talk with designers and engineers, mm. and there's a big fascination coming from them about sort of the process of developing the product and all of the inner workings and how intricate it is mm-hmm. and how much time it took, which we find fascinating. But we also know the end consumer doesn't care. Doesn't care at yeah. all. Just you know? give me something that I can plug in and go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. True. So, you know, like with your first headlight, it's yeah. like, it's very intricate. And I can see that looking at it. Yeah, but nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. It's going to take like hours. A, shoulder tap, you're a diligent boy, but nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, uh, that's the, really the thing. Yeah. What, what we want to do is like, uh, go to the shop. Mm-hmm. That's the indicator like, that's yeah. my bike, 100% sure, delivery tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And now, uh, okay, no headache attached, mount it, plug it, play it. Did you, as, a, as an artist, <laughs> did you, <laughs> as a designer slash engineer slash artist, yeah. did you find it difficult to create a product with all of that time and effort and have it 
sort of, you know, the end consumer, not so much consider all of those things and just go take it, plug it in and be happy and go. Yeah, it's, I think it's a process, right? Mm. It's like you, you see what, what the difficulties you're, you're finding in the yeah. process and then, then trying to improve all the yeah. time. So it's a, a constant process of re-engineering and improving. Yeah. So you came up with a process here at yeah. Motoism where you're able to develop parts that are not high quantity. Yeah. yeah. You're able to make parts where you don't have to make a hundred of them. Yeah, but the price we still can, reflects. but we don't have to. Yeah, and that, yeah. and you don't, you're not because you can do that now, but usually yeah. the cost is really high. Yeah, right? if you're going to make True. ten of something, yeah, it's hundreds of something. So you found a way to keep the the production levels low, but also keep the cost reasonable. Is that yeah, right? yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, and and I see the look in your eye, like the answer to how we do that is a little proprietary. Like you probably have some trade secrets involved there. Is there anything yeah. you can tell us about it? Yeah, basically what we can tell is we found an opportunity to use prototyping tools mm -hmm. for serious production. Aha, I That's see. the basic thing. And then it's in my eyes and I'm getting also like, you can see it, it's like I'm getting a little bit goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, it's very much what the future can be about in, mm. in our eyes or in my eyes. The, the first thought I have about that is if I hadn't seen any of your products and touched them, yeah. you know, when I think of prototyping, I think of very fragile parts yeah. that really can't stand up to day-to-day yeah. -day use. But the stuff that you make yeah. is pretty robust, Yeah. but you're still using technology that's normally allocated for prototyping. Yeah, basically, yes. And, and it's also like a transition, right? Because mm -hmm. um, we just acquired a system that is... Um, Describing this whole process from prototyping mm. to series, right? Yeah. Because it's a print farm. Yeah. It's not, you don't need a farm for a prototype. Yeah. So um, basically, you just look at something and then mm. you test it and you work on it. And then you, you figure out, ah, okay, yeah. maybe I can make my tooling mm -hmm. or my machine make something that is even more stable. Mm than a normal polypropylene part that is coming out of a yeah. normal machine. Another interesting thing that I found is typically when I see prototype quality parts, they have a texture to them yeah. that is v very clearly prototyped. Yeah. And your product isn't like that at all. It's yeah. very smooth and clean. And, and I, yeah. you know, I can see from where I'm sitting, there's a whole pile of people in the back working yeah. on what I presume is yeah. transitioning from that to yeah. something. How, how is it done, if you can tell yeah. us? Yeah, basically what, we're, what we are using is 3D print and it has some um, like carbon fiber. It's like a reinforced 3D print with carbon fiber. Yeah. So that makes it, makes it very durable. And even better than usual products we, yeah. we have, like for indicator material. Yeah. And um, this goes through uh, a surface processing, of course, um, yeah. to provide uh, the part for, mm -hmm. for a final surface finish. Yeah. So that's what we do. So parts of this process are, of course, like what we invented here, which yeah. are like, uh, like a secret. Sure. <laughs> sure, our, like, like our um, you know, development. At some point, you, you come out with this with this uh, with this indicator, for example, this headlight fairing, this windshield yeah. that that's that's having a complete new shape, which mm. you can't produce in normal production ways. Yeah, and as described, the finish 
sure. that is equal or better than usual products. Just the idea of trying to create a part in a virtual space, like yeah. a CAD software, which I imagine is where you start. Yeah. Like that to me is so far over my head. Yeah. I have no idea how to get from A to B. Yeah. Basically what we did in the first place was like, as everybody does, also as the automotive industry is doing it mm -hmm. or did in the, in the past, it's like yeah. you start with clay, right? That's basically yeah. hands-on. Our first models were always with clay. Yeah. And then you do, 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 do the scanning and everything. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, And right now, it's more like you do a sketch and then you start right away in CAD. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and that's actually wonderful because you can create matter, right? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's cool. That makes you like, you make you heavy. a creator, right? Yeah. You create. Yeah. I noticed your shoulders went back a little when you said that, like, like you're a, I'm a creator. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always important to, to stay on the ground. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, yeah, of course. One should be proud of yeah, what he's absolutely. doing. Yeah. But at, at the decent level, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's like the crazy thing to create. You know, you have some matter that is coming out something in a shape that yeah. wasn't existing before. And then also we had like all these questions in our head about being sustainable and everything. Mm. So now we yeah. said, okay, yeah, it's like, um, it's a polymer, right? It's mm -hmm. also made from oil, right? Yeah. So, and then we figured out at some point, yes, it's a polymer, But we are saving tooling, machines, yeah. everything at a large quantity. So yeah, sure. when we do, actually, uh, 3D printing is quite sustainable. That's mm. an interesting part compared to previous printing. Yeah. And, and 3D printing seems to leave little waste in yeah. each of the pieces that, yeah. you, that you produce. Yeah. So that's, it's a low-waste product. It's a low-waste product. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's cool. If you're me, you're going to make 150 variations of the same part because I'm going to screw it up. <laughs> that's true. You're going to have to find 150 people. Well, 149 people who don't, don't care that you screwed the first ones up. <laughs> so the, the first time we ever saw anything yeah. that you made through Motoism was, was on, you had two bikes at BMW's Pure and Crafted. You had yeah. an, an R18 yeah. and you had a R9 T. Yeah. And I, I understand that you, you went after BMW pretty hard to get your hands on an R18 to do yeah. some customizing. Can you sure. tell us about that? Yeah, we, um, we had our first ideas about the R18 and the Pure and Crafted Festival in Berlin in 2021, uh -huh. together with um, Arjun from Ironwood Motorcycles, yeah. which had been our, or is our partner in crime with the R18, the manager. Gotcha. At that point, we just had the feeling, right, that, that this, this bike could be an amazing basis for, for custom builds. Yeah. And did you know at that time that that was really BMW's goal with the R18 is to give people the opportunity to customize? Um, it was a little bit, it could be obvious for a customizer, mm, right? Because yeah. you, you see, as you, if you have, uh, if you see a bike and you're coming out of a customer, customizer's perspective, then you, yeah. you would have like, okay, what's the clearance in the tail? What gives sure. me headache in the front? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. What about the seat? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Where did I need, do I need to cut? Whatever. And BMW did it really nice. Yeah. Like most of the bikes in the past two or three decades that they were like doing like sure. mountings that were like with screws and not welded and everything, you know, and then you, you see, ah, okay, there embracing the custom yeah. approach and you have a customizer's eye i'm sure you look at everything and say i could customize that <laughs> i could make that cooler Some, sometimes yes <laughs> sometimes no. yeah. yeah it's like i also 
Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, in terms of motorcycles, yes. Yeah. In terms of cars, yes. Yeah. Um, bartending? Did you custom drink? I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Luckily, I'm, I'm done with bartending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing it on my leisure time for my friends, of course. Sure. And then, yeah, if you have like a super nice Negroni or something, and you know, do it with love. I think if you design a motorcycle, you paint a picture, do a Negroni, or yeah. cook a nice dish for your friends. Yeah. Well, you, you know, when we got here, you offered us coffee like four different times, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Now I'm starting to think like he makes some pretty cool custom coffee. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe you should have tried it. Yeah. There's some things you can't improve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair point. Well made. <laughs> so if you if you have a little Lamborghini Countach, and then you you put some custom parts on it, yeah, I don't know whether this is the best idea. <laughs> yeah, don't don't do it. Yeah, that that doesn't need much. <laughs> so you've got we saw the R18, and you came up with some pretty unique parts for that bike that people can purchase. Yeah, yeah true. Basically, the whole approach about the or 18 is it's like it, that you have like a headache free five parts to custom kit yeah which you you have five parts you you unmount some parts mm -hmm. and replace them right yeah. um or is not uh let's not call it replace them but you you yeah you you amplify yeah another uh, impression of the R18 yeah on the R18 right yeah and it seems like it's the mantra of a customizer to know when you're making parts for a bike, it has to enhance the look, of course. Yeah. But it also has, the quality has to be really, yeah. really good. True. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody wants to put a park on their bike that's going to make it look downgraded. Yeah. True. That's actually um, fulfilling two goals, right? Mm -hmm. Is that on one point you, as a custom company or custom parts manufacturer or however you call it, you want to have the quality level high. Yeah. And you want to have the people like mount some parts and then be proud about it, that it's really cool and it's yeah. really nice and it's durable and everything. Yeah. And then on the, on the other hand, you need to think about competition, right? People yeah. copying your stuff. And uh, for, for us, we are not afraid of copying at all. Mm. Because if you, if you know how you did it, then uh, the other guy at least needs the same time to do it the same way yeah. as you did. Yeah. yeah. And this so, is your proprietary elements yeah. too. Yeah. You found I, mean, a way. I don't know. I don't, I'm not afraid to talk about what we're doing here because it's like a hell of a work in the end. Yeah. And then, and then for example, with the, our 18 parts kit, we're doing it from carbon fiber parts. Yeah. And, uh, and also 3D printed parts. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be OEM standard. So mm. we're also working together mm. with an OEM uh, produce, production company. Nice. So, so it's also, if you put the quality level high, mm -hmm. everything needs to follow after this, right? Yeah. You've got uh, bikes here from, from several different manufacturers just sitting around us. And then yeah. in your workshop, you have a couple um, older BMW K bikes in there. Yeah, it's like we're you're gonna, out. yeah the guys are just preparing them to yeah. show it to you guys. Oh, Sean, yeah. you and I get to see them. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh, yeah I want to check that's them out. That's exciting. Yeah. Are those K75s or K100s? Uh, K100. Yeah, okay. I saw one in there with some knobby tires on it. And I yeah. Said, okay, <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, we call them the Ultimate K. Mm -hmm. We just released one of them. Yeah. Basically, this is one of the yeah transition bikes from old bikes to what we did on the R18. Yeah. It's like a vintage bike. Yeah. 
with the modern DNA, embracing the old heritage character sure. of the 80s. Yeah. You know, that's important, right? Yeah. Because uh, the 80s with the K100 of 80s, 80s is the decade where they made Star Wars, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the, you, see, you look at the K100 engine. Yeah. There's some Star Wars DNA in it. Yeah, for sure. We, we Worldwide, of course, we're from the USA, so we yeah. hear it with the U.S. accent. But yeah. worldwide, we hear the equivalent of, that 1980s K bike is the best bike mm -hmm. ever. Like, mm -hmm. and, and we go, yeah, you know, that's, that's a pretty exciting machine. Yeah. So it's pretty neat to see that it in your workshop getting yeah. it. Yeah, th that's the same. You know, it's like we do we do parts on the we do a transition on the K100. Yeah, this is a long term painful transition, right? <laughs> <laughs> is there any one transition on any model that's an easy one? I mean, they are all R18. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Huh? I'm daring to say that if you if you dismounted the parts, mm -hmm. it's like six hours mounting the kid. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty reasonable. That should be how every build should yeah. be. Is that engineer speak, though, or is that Sean Thomas speak? Like, could I do it in six hours? Sure. You think? I'll help you. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the kind of customization that, that I love, where I can get my yeah. hands on something and I can go in mm. and it's relatively easy to mount, especially if there's anything yeah. um, electric, like the... Yeah the indicator lights or something, I, yeah. I'm not so good with the electricity. Yeah. So when there's something that's plug and play and easy to do, yeah. and I can make this transition in my own garage, yeah. I feel like, yeah, you know, yeah, I look at my bike, it's a little different and I've done it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. In, in my eyes, it's, um, I feel good when we do good customs and mm. more important do good parts right mm. and this is like this this we had it before this kind of process of creating something yeah but i even feel better if we can empower you guys you know mm. out there to 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 do your own custom project yeah and be your own hero and your own customizer yeah. with we said it before like having a project together with your son or daughter or whatever yeah. in the sh in the in the garage and then yeah. Building your own R18 with a couple of parts, a kit, all plug and play. And then at, at some point, yeah, there's a lot of space for being creative. You can do your own paint job. You can sure. You can cut it if you want. Yeah. You know? We 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 don't if you want to cut it, cut it. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Sure. That's that's what we want to empower, right? To, yeah. To, yeah. Um, to amplify or to um, empower this whole mm. custom industry, you know, to And there's, of course, there's, customi there's customizers that say, ah, you're selling parts to people, you're making a, a, a public thing. And they say, yes, we make yeah. it a public thing because everybody should do it. And then if yeah. you want to do a crazy 200-hour build, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Sure. It's very cool that you're looking at both sides, like yeah. both platforms of that. Because, yeah. of course, you're also making your own custom bikes that are just really cool yeah and that's yeah. that's a cool side of it but i yeah. think empowering people to be able to express their own individuality is a really special thing also yeah, yeah. It's, it's, cool. it, yeah it's like at some point you know it's not about it's not about me you know or mm. us it's like people should be happy of course yeah yeah what does the future for modoism look like ah future of modoism that's interesting um Basically, yeah, 
follow our DNA, mm. do really high quality parts yeah. for motorcycles, do prototypes, do OEM collaborations, do prototypes for OEMs, do uh, yeah, kits. Yeah. And then um, redefine uh, boundaries of customizing. Yeah. And then uh, our future is so interesting right mm. now. Absolutely. Right? We, we, we have, uh, with all this technology coming up, our, the customizers uh, one or two decades ago, they had far less possibilities. Yeah. Of course, at some point, it's, it's also sad that um, doing your own fender out of a sh piece of sheet metal doesn't pay out at, at yeah. right now anymore. Yeah. You know, that's sad. That, yeah. was, that was possible in the past. Sure. We can, we can cherish this in the past. We can cherish this in our private old-timer restoration sure. projects. Yeah. But the future, in another way, is like more going into a machine direction. Mm -hmm. And then also to, to make it affordable. Yeah, of course. It's also important that you, everybody can do it. You can yeah. buy an indicator, buy the resistor, and then you start with it. Yeah. And not start with a 40K bike, right? Sure. Yeah. Making open to everyone. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, for me, it's the whole technology about production met uh, methods. There's new stuff coming up right now. You have like a printer in the mill in the same machine. Mm. Yeah. You would, you will, you would like print a whole fuel tank, for example, yeah. or a whole car wow. with a nozzle like four centimeters. Yeah. You know, the nozzle is putting a, a thread, right? Yeah. yeah. A three, three centimeter thread. And then afterwards, after this is cooled off, then the same thing is changing the head and then it's milling out the form, you know? Yeah. That's what's coming up right now. Yeah, sure. So along with this, what we're doing right now, the, the 3D printing farm going from prototyping to serious production with printing. Yeah. New printing possibilities, yeah. new CAD, virtual mm -hmm. reality, yeah. blah, blah. Interesting. How can people Exciting. learn more about Motoism? Mm, people, they, they can, uh, of course, visit our website, um, www.motoism-customs.com. They can visit our Instagram channels. Basically, they can j just give us a call or yeah. shoot a mail or whatever, and then we're going to... Of course, um, we had been in the last couple of years, we had been really just in our workshop, working, yeah. developing. Yeah. And, and we were just started, starting to communicate what we were doing. Yeah. Right. Sure. Why should I tell something if I have nothing to say? <laughs> Plenty of people do. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the difference between success and not success. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a whole nother interview. I yeah. Think. <laughs> ben, it was really good talking to you, man. Yeah, Thanks it was for a pleasure. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk again when you've got some more goodies to show us. Cool. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Rock on. Rock on. <laughs> we very much hope you have enjoyed this episode. We want to hear from you, so please rate, comment, and share your thoughts about this podcast. We have many more episodes on the way, so please subscribe, follow along, and share your requests for future episodes of the BMW Motorrad Ride and Talk podcast.